Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Hello everybody and welcome to a Radio Show Limited special as we look forward to, I think it's fair to say, one of our favourite series and championships, the 2021 Moto GP World Championship, uh, kicking off at the weekend uh, at uh, in the Middle East, uh, in Qatar, and uh, it's, Declan Brennan said just before we came on the air, it's like Christmas has uh, has come early. Well, it's a wee bit later than the normal kick-off to the season, but I understand exactly what he said. Uh, Nick Damon is with us as well, and uh, over the next however long it takes, frankly, uh, we'll be going through team by team and looking at the prospects for the teams and riders signed up for this season. Uh, let's start with you, Declan Brennan. Um, ridiculously excited, clearly. And to get the season Underwear, under lights. I, 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 he's one of my favourite races anyway for for World Superbikes or for MotoGP. It's video game esque with the liveries popping under those lights. Oh yes, yes, I'm I'm so excited. I'm like a dog with two dinners. It's uh, it's absolutely fantastic. And yeah, and and the thing that I uh, that I always uh, the thing that gets me going and that officially declares it open is basically when Moto3 uh, starts at sunset at Qatar, basically, uh, on race day. And then, you know, oh, yeah, here we go. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just fantastic. And yet we are, we're about to get ready for a very intriguing season for an enormous number of reasons, which uh, some of which I'm sure we'll outline and some of which we won't even get to uh, across the next four However, hours. Have I- and- <laughs> Well, so, between now and the check uh, the, and the uh, and the lights going out, we've got to get this uh, to get this done. Oh, actually, a bit less than that because we've obviously got to get it air on air uh, before uh, that. Nick Damon uh, is joining us as well. Uh, Nick, let's start with the champion team, Team Suzuki X Star. Uh, lost its talismanic uh, head of a keep. Uh, Davide Brivio, who's off to Formula One and the Alpine. However, doesn't seem to have affected them so far, but we've yet to see them in action on a championship weekend. Joan Mia, Alex Rins, before we get to them, the bike, from what we've seen, doesn't look to have changed that much. It looks like a Suzuki. It looks like a MotoGP bike without too many accoutrements. Again, more of that later on. Yeah, what is interesting is that they use the test, some of it, to test stuff for next year, because, of course, this year has a, a wide-ranging ban on development carrying over from last year's COVID situation. They seem supremely confident. They they, they haven't gone for time. They haven't gone for one lap pace. Um, my feeling is, really, that bike, it was working so well during the season, but it never really won any races. It was the ultimate. They won two races in the entire season between them, but they didn't need to because it's always there or thereabouts. They had the best bike on a Sunday. It wasn't the best bike over a lap, wasn't the best bike in qualifying, but on Sunday, it was the most raceable, the most rideable, and there's nothing to indicate any of that has changed. 
Joanne Mia is uh, the world champion. Um, seventh place was all he needed uh, by the time we got to the back end of the season to to take the, the championship, MotoGP world champion. Uh, for various reasons, as you mentioned, he... As far as we know, he's doing the full season, Dex. Is he the man to beat in 2021? Funnily enough, uh, Nick and I have had this discussion prior to coming on air, and I would say, no, his teammate is the man to beat, I think, this year. And why is that? Because why is carried... it not... All right, okay, we'll talk, we'll talk about his team in a minute. Why is it not Joan Mayer? Be- because his teammate of the two riders in the team that are arguably are best set up to continue to perform at the level they're at, which is such a high level of consistency across the season, which means they're always going to score points in a championship where the variables are enormous from track to track for all the other teams. I think they're, again, equipped to do what they need to, which is to just be solid every week. And of those two riders, Rince has the bigger upside than Mir. I firmly believe that. And his, his problem has been a little bit of, of physical fragility He's been, he falls off. He has fallen H- off who's and he's got injured. Rinse. Rinse, Rinse okay. I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the question. I, I feel, and Nick and I have talked about this off air, that if Rinse stays fit and enters the season at 100%, he's the man to beat in that team, which I believe makes him the man to beat in MotoGP over the course of a season. Uh, so, all right, R- Rinse then from, from Dex is the pick of the two uh, Suzuki riders. Uh, Rinse uh, with. Uh, podium finishes in Catalan, Teruel and European GP, as well as victory at Aragon, third in the championship. So is there anything then, Nick, uh, that um, that Joan Mir can do? And what part of his season, what part of his riding style does he have to get better at if he's going to be in with a shout and he's going to be the man with his target on his back. Presumably, he's just got to have more people behind him, at least at the start of the race, because that's been an issue for him. Yeah, I think... Qualified, I mean, I mean. Whilst I, I agree that you know, in a straight fight over all the races, you would expect Alex Rins to, to do better. There's always this with Alex, if he stays on, if he does that. If you if you were going to take out all the riders in the uh, in the grid and say which which rider will score the maximum available points that he and the bike can score, the person that close to that is Joe Mir. Like, Mir is was a metronomic. He won the world championship last year by being the one rider who's able to maximize the golden golden goose opportunity of Mark Marquez taking himself out. And he, even though, even because he, he he just got enough points to win the championship in the, in the penultimate round, in the last round, you know, I think he had a non-score, didn't he? Because it wasn't it wasn't important. He just did what he needed to do and no more. It was very much like a an Alain Prost sort of 1992 World Championship. I'll just do what I need to do and no more. He needs to up his game. One win. It was Rosberg 82, the very minimum he no, needed no, to do. No, 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 because that, that, that was a scrap to the end. Prost, Prost couldn't help winning in that Williams. He, he couldn't do anything about it. He, 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 oh, damn, I've won again. Oh, no, I sacred blur. I've won another race. I didn't mean to. <laughs> um, but Mia, yeah, Mia, Mia, Mia obviously has... It, does Just have a few minutes it. into the preview and Nick's got the accents out. And it's Mia, not even Mia. appropriate to this championship. <laughs> no, very no, well done. Very well done. But just say, Mia obviously does have a little bit of an issue. Now, how much is him and how much is the bike? He's not a great qualifier. Fire. Obviously, as all our listeners know, that isn't as big an issue within MotoGP as it is within um, four-wheel racing. But even so, it would probably help if he didn't have to battle through seven bikes at the start. Is, is Suzuki then still 
you know, I think it's the purest looking of the bikes. And, and, and we said in the review and through the season on Midweek Motorsport when we were talking about it, I look at that bike and as a former Suzuki owner, or albeit quite some time ago now in the, in the mid-1990s, I look at that bike and immediately see, a, it's mid-1980s actually, good, good, good God, um, I immediately see a Suzuki. It looks like a Suzuki. It is very pure. Is it still going to be the bike to beat, Nick? Well, I'm not sure if purity of form is necessarily the way that we're going to be going anywhere. <laughs> now seems that, that you know sticking bits on that make the bike look weird and ugly might be the uh, the the, uh, the path to success. And certainly, um, Ducati are, are getting more, are getting out the uh, double sided sticky tape as are Aprilia, and I'm sure you'll find the other bike manufacturers following as much as they can within the regulations. So, I mean, purity of form has a certain benefit to it, but not when people start using the air more cleverly than you are. Right. Okay. Um, it, it was, as we said in the review, and, and I don't see much of this changing decks for 2021. It seemed to be across the season, the best, I'm going to use the word compromise and I kind of don't mean it to be, to sound bad. I'm, I mean that to sound good. It was the most adaptable perhaps would be the better thing to say at, at, at different types of circuit and certainly its characteristics were understood and used well by the two riders and and, and of course that hasn't changed yeah and that also permeates across the entire team you, you look at the way they work and there's never any panic it's always yeah we're going to make a little adjustment here we're going to give you a little bit the you know going to give you a little bit more traction out of the slow corners here where and there's such a beautiful uh, understanding about how all of these things adapt and they understand the bike they have they understand how to get little bits more and how it's all about incremental change and incremental improvements across the season across a weekend i think that's david davide brivio's biggest legacy yeah. to the team is that he's got them working so efficiently with a total buy-in as to what they have and how they make it better uh, they are the they are the bizarro ducati they are they're literally the absolute diametric op- opposition of Ducati's approach to racing. Mm. And funny enough, look who's winning. Uh, and I think that's going to continue. You asked me last year, I think uh, when uh, Davide Brivio left, what the impact was. And I felt that it wasn't going to change anything. And I'm, the more I think about it, the more I believe that nothing is going to change. They are going to keep developing at the rate they develop and particularly with the with the sort of the the regulations not really being particularly open uh, this year having the package they have uh, is going to be i think for them is going to be absolutely fine and ultimately i think nick is right it's going to come down to them squeezing a little bit more out of the 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 one-off laps in qualifying and and i yeah. suppose really by extension over the course of of the practice sessions. Incremental improvement, as Sir Dale, Dale, uh, Dale Brailsford uh, would be preaching, I am sure. Before we go on to the other teams who are fighting to take the crowns, uh, crown away from the Suzuki riders, a uh, couple of points on sporting regulations. Not many changes, actually, Nick. Um, yellow flags um, have been, I suppose it's been underlined, really slow down to protect fallen riders and attending marshals. Yeah, well, they should be doing that anyway. Um, Passing a yellow flag in a practice session will have the time for that lap cancelled. Yeah, well, 
that was uh, similar to before. Spe- uh, speeding in pit lane is now going to be a two times long lap penalty. It used to be a ride through, although the stewards retain the right to impose further or different penalties for excessively high speed. Um, there's they've sort of formalised putting your money down to make an, ap- uh, uh, an appeal. Uh, interestingly, I think. Um, and I'll get Dex on this as well. Um, there were no wild card entries in 2020 because of the restrictions. And MotoGP operated very, very strict protocols for who and who wasn't allowed to go to, to MotoGP. And I might know was in the paddock. That was even stricter still. Two wild cards maximum in each class at each event. Um, but, but in... Um, Moto 2 and Moto 3 only considered when operated by an existing team. So, interesting, that one. And that might just throw up one or two things. No massive changes there, Dex, but I think interesting to see wildcard entries back. Dovey on an Apriya. Mm. That's what it means to me. <laughs> I just That's a Dovey like... on an Apriya um, regulation, is it? Yeah, basically. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, the wild card. There's, there's not. I'm not going to say that there's a, a lot that uh, excites me necessarily about uh, because, as of right now, I'm not sure who that would impact. Uh, maybe we might see a top rack. Uh, although, uh, as we've said before, because of his uh, personal sponsorship, so that might be difficult for him to jump onto a, a, a second or a third Yamaha. Uh, so I'm not necessarily sure outside of. The Vizioso, what that really means. We might see Sylvain Gintley or Michele Pirro, some of the, or Ambradle later in the year again as a, a test rider. I think that might happen. Uh, but I, I don't think it necessarily leads to any great level of excitement. Other, as I said, other than seeing Dobby back on a, on a competitive, semi competitive bike at some stage. That would be fantastic. Rather than talk about the manufacturers, Nick, um, we'll, we'll go through team by team alphabetically. Aprilia was mentioned there by Dex, and obviously um, they start the alphabet. So Lorenzo uh, Savadori and uh, Alice Espargaro, the two riders there. Savadori first. Um, well, actually, give us give us a wee view on Aprilia, first of all. Well... Obviously, they are a team that's having to recover from a very, very um, tragic uh, close season with uh, the loss of Fausto um, Grassini. Yeah. Um, but you know, taking that away, because I think what I'm going to say now isn't isn't particularly charitable. They were terrible last year. Um, a lot of that, actually, in fairness to them, was due to them getting caught out by the COVID regulation, in that they kind of did some testing, they had a kind of planned development, and then of course all development was shelved during the season and. If you're going through development, you like to have nice gaps. Right? Well, this, we had this race and got two weeks to think about what we learned about the bike. Oh, no, they had like 10 days and there were four races in, in three weeks and this sort of stuff. So they, they didn't get on top of anything. They, they, they mucked about with riders. Um, this is on the back of course a year ago, a very, very positive test in Qatar. Mm. Uh, they had another good, reasonable test again this week with uh, Alicia Spargaro, who is a little bit of a hot and cold rider, but um, you know, there was a number of those out there. So you kind of think that where Aprilia are is not as bad as last year, but still not good enough to challenge. We said, Dex, didn't we, after uh, Fausto Grassini's untimely uh, death from, from COVID, um, after quite a, a long illness with it, that there was there was only a couple of ways that that, that, that team could go. And if it's anything the way Fausto um, reacted to 
to disappointment and uh, and problems through his career, it probably meant that they would have a great season. In Lorenzo Savadori, uh, started on two strokes, um, has come through, spent some time in Mortal E before uh, Prilla got him into Mortal GP, European Grand Prix, I think it was. Um, permanent rider this year, he, he, he's classed as a rookie. Um, what's, what are his chances and, and what has he got ashore, do you think, to keep hold uh, of that seat? I, I, he's he, what he has to show to keep hold of the seat, he doesn't have in his locker. He's Ooh. not capable of Ooh. producing the level of performance that means he deserves he, that ride. I, I'm absolutely staggered by the, by this appointment. Uh, he's nowhere near good enough. Uh, he has a resume slash CV that doesn't deserve a, a MotoGP seat. It's a political appointment. He's an Italian. That's great. Bradley Smith, uh, you know, lost the ride. They had told him there was going to be a shootout in testing, which is even that is a shoddy way to, to handle that. And uh, and then they decided to to give the ride to Salvadori. At one stage, it looked like Joe Roberts was going to get mm. the ride because they wanted an American. And so it it just feels like that's a one man team right now. And and I'm with I'm with. Nick, I, I think we're going to see uh, uh, interesting uh, variance in the levels of performance of Alicia Spargo. I think they've got some gnarly looking arrow on that bike now, which is fantastic. They've got a big flat fin effectively on, uh, across the front fairing, which is which looks sensational. Uh, and and they've shown signs in testing that the, there is a uh, an upward curve, but it's it's all going to be on the shoulders of Alicia, I think. To be perfectly, uh, to be to be absolutely fair, and, and uh, I think that's going to be tough. Uh, but there, there are chances there will be some good performances. I think out of Aprilia, uh, and Alish Nick um, started off in one two five, youngest ever rider to win the Spanish national championship. But that's way back in two thousand and four. Now he's come up through. Um, well, he was at Suzuki, wasn't he? Uh, back in the uh, mid twenty teens, twenty fifteen, and had a bit of pace in the Catalan Grand Prix. Uh, that year, uh, moved to Aprilia 2017 and got some results, but he hasn't really been better than sixth, I think, down through his uh, seas, uh, through his uh, career. And the, the problem is, as Dex says, it's all on his shoulders. Yeah, I think if you open the dictionary under the word journeyman, you'll see a lovely little picture of Aleish there. You know, it's not a, not a surprise. Um, oh, he's, 30, he's, 30, he's, he's 31 now. He's the second oldest rider in MotoGP. I mean, right. literally 11 years younger than Valentino Rossi. But he's, you know, who is remarkable. But he's 31. You know, he's at the point where most normal riders have, you know, are already have they're not already hung up their levels are about to. You know, he's 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 gamefully employed. He's worth a position, but he's he's never going to set the world on fire. He's never he's never going to he's never going to you know, run run for a championship, even with the championship potentially championship winning team. But they are a mess, um, which is good for actually good for a lace because people are going to say if it goes badly, it's a pretty. If it goes well, it's a lace. He's actually, he's actually on a very positive hiding to something, isn't he, this year? Well, suppose so. Suppose so. Of a hiding to nothing. Yeah, a hiding to something, yes. Uh, let's move on to Ducati and the Ducati Lenovo team. Audi Sport, uh, Ducati Lenovo team. Uh, Jack Miller and Francesco Bagnaia in there. And we've got to talk about the Audi Sport connection here, Dex, because they have been doing some very, very clever stuff with Aero. Some of it 
looking further ahead than this year, including ground effects for when the the bike is tipped over at more than 41 degrees, which just is startlingly brilliant that somebody has come up with, with that idea. Um, Ducati, first of all, as, as a manufacturer and as a MotoGP bike, uh, what are they going to have for 2021? Well, the factory team, I think they should change their logo to a box of frogs because they're <laughs> absolutely, they're the mat or a hat stand because they are the maddest maddest people in the paddock in a good and bad way Gigi Delinia in a good way is producing insane things like the mad professor coming up with oh let's see if we're at 43 degrees how can I def- how can I move the air to make things better in the corners he is Professor and Pat is. Pending from Wacky he Races, absolutely is Professor Pat Pending he is and and the other thing basically about that that uh, piece of plastic that they've stuck on the side. The other thing that's going to do is clean up the air under the bike, yeah. which actually is going to make it a, a more difficult to sit behind. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 a really it's fascinating, but but the byproduct of that is they are, and um, we've talked about this before. There's such a focus on that bike, and and it is such a a brand and and the, in the DNA, it's it's they're philosophy that it's the bike is 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 magnificent and the rider is almost secondary and when you are very italian how very enzo ferrari yes exactly there's such a ferrari i feel a ferrari uh uh kind of 1960s model there with with ducati still and then you add jack miller in who jack miller has one grand prix win uh has jack miller has proved again time and time again that he's super fast and very good, but is not great on tires. Uh, mm. And he's not going to be on a bike that is going to have the balance of the Suzuki. That's going to give him the, you know, the ability to just run at the pace he, he runs at for a whole race. I just see this being a really, really bad <laughs> season for the factory team. Uh, I just, I don't see them having a sustained level of success and and I think it's down to the fact that their their rider lineup and their attitude to that bike is completely off I might be very wrong but I don't think I am I think they're going to struggle I think they're going to have a false dawn at Qatar with two races where they're probably going to win and then it's going to get it's going to become a struggle Mm. Um, his teammate is Francesco Bagnaia and uh, he he had an up and down year last year, Nick. Um, it looked like he was going to win at uh, San Marino. Uh, this uh, when we were doing that double header. Somewhere. Uh, yes, I think it was. I should have looked that up shouldn't I, before I started that. Um, I, I, he and and that really dented his confidence. Um, it's an he interesting pairing. Second, uh, Dick. Sorry. He was hurt. He was also hurt during yes, the year. Correct. Correct. Um, it's an interesting pairing, these two. Um, I, I like both of them as individuals. I think their riding styles are uh, not exactly the same for the reasons that Dex has mentioned. Jack always hangs it all out, gives it anything. If you're looking for entertainment, then Jack. Magnai is a little uh, less uh, uh, less um, arms and elbows on that and, and tries to, to keep it a bit cleaner. Um can he come back? Uh, can can he come back, Peko, this year uh, in the factory Ducati team, and potentially might he rather be on the the Premac bike? I think the issue really is 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 that 
as you guys have discussed, it's all about the bike with Ducati. And they have got a fantastic bike with a fantastic engine, with fantastic innovation. But neither of their riders are people who you would put 20 quid on every race to win because they both have inconsistency running through them like a like a blackpool does through a stick of rock it's it's you just there is no i was looking at it i don't think if you were really honest either of those riders would be in your top five if you're going to choose the top five riders to actually win a world championship of the current active you know races that that, that ex- excludes the fact that dovi's not there and lorenzo's not there so you see, you know, well, you've got you've got probably theoretically the best bike with riders who don't have the ability to win a world championship as of yet. Yes, absolutely, they'll win races, but put together, I can't see them putting them together. I mean, perhaps that's ideal for Gigi. You can turn around and definitely blame the riders. And, and I like the massive sympathy we have with Dovi. We'll go, yeah, you're right, Gigi. Yeah, they are rubbish. But your bike's great. Perhaps that's what they want, but they're not going to win a world championship. Oh my God, uh, you don't. Are you saying that they they hire riders uh, with plausible deniability <laughs> built in? <laughs> Well, yeah, they are yeah. now. It hasn't worked well before, did it? Well, fa- fa- fair enough. We'll come on. To, we'll come on to Premac uh, later on because, uh, as I say, in some ways, uh, I think there's there's a different uh, there's a different vibe going on there, and I'd be interested to hear what you two uh, think of it. We're going to move on to uh, the first of the Hondas. It's the LCR Honda Idemitsu uh, uh, team, which has uh, Taka. Uh, Ta- uh, I knew I was going to get that wrong. Taki Nakagami and Alex Marquez um, are on the bike. Um, LCR Honda, Dex, talk about the bike first of all before we talk about the carbon-based interface. Well, I, I think with the bike, it's a, what's really interesting is that lack of Marquez last year uh, meant forced Honda, and I, I would include the HRC team and LTR in this force them to develop the bike in a different way. And we saw the bike go from a bike that uh, Marquez could ride and nobody else could. And by the end of the season, we had, uh, we had the situation where Nakagami dominated an entire uh, race weekend uh, until the first lap of the race when he was on pole and fell off. We had Alex Marquez (laughs) threatening to win. That was at Remini, wasn't it? Yes, we had Alex Marquez threatening to win races, riding magnificently. Particularly Brad... in the conditions at Le Mans, where those wet, dry conditions at Le Mans, yes. I thought he was outstanding there. And Bradle got faster. And Bradle's not even, his job isn't to get fast. And his, he got way more competitive. So the, it's amazing what happens when you uh, decide to take all the data from the other riders and build a bike that people can ride. Cause, and that's what they did. And the fascinating thing is... It was Valencia, by the way, not uh, Remini. But there we go. All right, fine. At the start of last year, I would have looked at that bike and, and, and Nakagami and Marquez on it and would have thought, oh, my goodness, like, God help them in 2021. But now, having... It's been through what they what they've been through. That is a really good package for all for the bike and for those two riders. I have a, I'm I'm looking at them very differently now. Uh, uh, and you only have to see to underline that. Look at look at Taka and uh, and top ten in every race except Terrell. Um, although he was on pole, there it was Terrell where he, he fell off and um and Valencia. Um, 
hasn't been on the podium yet, though, Nick. But what that what Dex is Dex is saying about them adapting to the bike, or maybe them adapting the bike. I'm not, and I think it's probably a bit of both. I don't think that is the same, exactly the same bike that Mark Marquez was was riding and having set up his way. Uh, there's there's got to be a bit of compromise somewhere. But but that is a bike that clearly now other people can ride, and and Tata proved that last year. Yeah, the thing to remember is, of course, Attacker's um, teammate was Carl Crutchlow, who uh, is legendary at being actually good at testing and setting up bikes. Hence, he's been picked up by y- yeah, Yamaha in, um, in, in, in preference to Jorge Lorenzo, who has, st- has struck back with several very, very barbed Twitter comments, which no one cares about. Um, so I'm very impressed with Takanakagami. I, mean, I think he did come, he came way forward last year. Alex Marquez, to be honest, I know. Yeah, one good race, two good races, 14 bad races, in my opinion, given what he was riding. Fallen off five times, isn't he, in, during, in, uh, oh, during, a bit harsh. during Qatar. <laughs> no, I'm genuinely... genuinely. Uh, but I think he's... I do, I tell you one thing I do. I, I think it is a bit harsh, but I think he's a confidence rider. Uh, and and when, he, when he got that second place in France, and, and, and his riding style there was extraordinary. He was so smooth, and he had tyre left at the end. And the next race, he was second again. That was Aragon. Um, he very nearly got rookie of the year. Let's not forget, that was his first year in MotoGP, Nick, and he came in with a big Tarantara, and before he'd even got on the bike, he was told he didn't have a ride for the following no, he, season. No, he had a ride, he just had a different he ride. ride. He wasn't sad. He had yes, a different yeah. ride. Yes, I know. Um, but, you know, he was. He, they employed him because they had no other way to go after the the, the you know the, the last minute shuffling about at the end of 19. I, I, don't, I just don't think he, you know, where he is now, which is the number two rider at LCR, fine, that's where he is. He's not, I, all right, I'm telling you right now, Alex Marquez will not score a single podium this year. Where's my? Where's my? Write, uh, write my, that down. Write that down. Where's my absolutely, absolutely disagree? Klaxon. I need. Fine. <laughs> I don't think. I, I genuinely don't think he'll score a podium, and I think when his contract runs out, he'll be out of MotoGP. Wow. Um, it, it is a measure. Write that down, dear viewer and listener. Um, uh, right. Okay. Look at the harsh opinions with Keith Hart. Um, <laughs> like, sorry. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, it is a mark of uh, how strong uh, MotoGP is that we have not gone through all of the manufacturers yet. Uh, here is another team, Monster Energy Yamaha MotoGP, uh, for the Spaniard Maverick Vinales and uh, France's big hope, Fabio Quadrado. Um Talk about the bike first of all, Nick. You can have this one, Monster Energy Yamaha. Um, how is the bike looking? Better than last year because they've got different exhaust valves. Uh, um, yes, after the disaster that was last year, where they um, um, burnt out uh, the exhaust valves after a bad batch, and we're, and we're stuck in the the hell of the engine regulations and sealed engines, and so much so that in the end they had to unseal some engines and take some penalties. Um, the bike is still not where it should be. I think it's not the the championship winning or conquering bike we saw four or five years ago. It will be naturally better than last year because they aren't having to run restricted revs, so they have a bit more power. Still, not enough power. Um, but the question the question has to be about the riders in the individually on individual weekends they are absolutely bloody amazing the problem is they don't have that many individual weekends each year um interesting Maverick Vinales and Fabio Quattararo have one thing in common they both won the opening two Grand Prix of a season and then faded to nothing yeah yeah and that is your problem now I mean Maverick I tell you right now 
will win races and get nowhere near a championship challenge. Fabio, I think possibly with the right support and if the bike is good, is better on the non flat out down the straight power circuits, he could put a championship challenge together. I think I, I think there's probably a lot going on last year. I have more faith that that was kind of a, a, a slight dip in his up his monumental upward curve of Maverick. We're not Maverick. Maverick is a Maverick. He's just Maverick. He, he, yeah, yeah. What we're yeah. going to get, who knows? Yeah, I, I was going to say that the lovely thing about Maverick and what you get from Maverick is you don't know what you're going to get because you don't know which one is going to turn up at the track. Super, duper, fast, um, applied Maverick or meh Maverick. And that... Or the one, the one who literally looks, absolutely runs around the paddock 10 minutes before a race looking for excuses not to win Yeah, when, no. he's, on, when he's on pole. Here's a question for you, Dex. Here's a question for you. Normally, in a team like this, you would have a number one and two rider. Who's the number one and two here? That's a brilliant question, and I don't know the answer. No. And, I, 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 and, just as I was looking at these two, I was thinking that. Who's one and two here? And that could be an issue this year. All I want is MotoGP to have their cameras on these two in, <laughs> in, 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 in the garage all the time because I think that's going to be the greatest... Uh, 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 documentary series you could ever possibly watch is the two of them. If one of them does well, the other one's going to melt down, uh, and and that will start mm. from 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 probably from session one. I just find the the fragility of the of the of particularly with Vinales because because the 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 mitigating circumstances with uh, uh, with number twenty with Quartararo is that he's very young. He's very young, and people tend to forget that in uh, 2019, he came in as the second rider to Morbidelli. He wasn't expected, and suddenly everything, the, the script flipped, and halfway through the season, they had guaranteed him a factory bike for the following year. Well, change the rules uh, for him, let's not forget. Well, yeah, and, and, and he, then, he then wilted a little bit under the pressure of being a very, he's still a very young man. So... I think of the two of them, the upside of Quartararo is, 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 is more. I think he's got the ability to get stronger. I think Vinales is now too old and too long in the twos. And not that he's old, but he's been in the, around here long enough. You'd think he'd have learned by now to somehow find uh, uh, a, a, a straight line in terms of his, his mental ability. But he can't. He wavers so much. It's absolutely extraordinary. But let's see how the season starts, because I think that once the season starts, all... All hell could break loose well, within that, that uh, garage. I'll take up your point, Nick, about what you, you said about them. Because last year, Quateraro was effectively the best of the rest in the championship race. And he, he faded like a garden light on an overcast day, didn't he? The, the solar panel just wasn't working. Um, and dropped down to eighth in the standings. Uh, sixth uh, last year in... Uh, uh, for his teammate, uh, it, this seemed to blow hot and cold. Which one of them would you put as number one and number two? Well, on Tuesday, I think it's probably Maverick over Fabio. <laughs> but on most Thursdays, it's Fabio over Maverick. And then on the occasional Saturday in Lent, but obviously not the first couple of weeks when, in the, uh, when it's really kicking in, it's probably somebody else called Barry. Who knows? I think Fabio overall has, in fairness, is more likely to put together a season. Okay, fine. Well, I, I, he's well, got I a lot say, of pressure on his shoulders, 
he has got a lot of pressures on his shoulders, uh, Dex, because it's not just the pressure of his team. It's not just the pressure of him. There is, in some respects, the pressure of the whole French nation oh, on yes. him because he has yes. been built up that far, hasn't he? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Johan Zarco was delighted that Fabio Quartararo exists. <laughs> uh, absolutely. But but I will say, by the way, just to finish off the analogy, uh, uh, I would if there was a bet of somebody was going to lap the entire field at a Grand Prix, I'd give that to Maverick Vinales as well, yeah. and then not, and then qualify last the following week. Uh, it's but, p- uh, perfectly possible. Perfectly <laughs> possible. Uh, let's move on. Another Yamaha team uh, coming next. It is Petronas uh, Yamaha. And I'm going to do this the way around that they are listed on the entry list. So don't uh, have a go at me uh, for this. Franco Morbidelli, uh, who uh, has a hugely brilliant and long career, going all the way back to when he took the Superstock 600 title in uh, 2013, um, the Roman. And uh, his teammate... Uh, oh yeah, hugely long championship history. That would be one uh, Valentino Rossi. We've talked about the Yamaha already, Dex. I, I mean, this is effectively um, a, a works blessed Yamaha team, though, isn't it for for Petronas? It is, and and it's it's it has everything you could possibly want in a team. If you're if you're a Franco Morbidelli right now, my goodness, you you're on a Effectively, a, a works blessed bike in a team with a absolute with all the money in the world, and a team run by people who fully understand how the the ups and downs of how this works, particularly Stigerfeld and Zeelenberg, and they are just wonderful to work with. They they are a, put Franco Morbidelli in a position this year to win the title. If you look at the way last year finished, after all the, the, the ups and downs, all of the issues that, that Yamaha has had, as Nick's talked about, with the valves and with, with, with just uh, but retiring from racing. Nobody retires from racing, but they were retiring from races yeah. week in, week out. And yet, at the end of the season, uh, arguably the two best riders at the end of the season were Rince and, and Morbidelli. And Morbidelli obviously won uh, that absolutely epic battle Brilliant. in Valencia against, uh, against, uh, against Jack Miller. And let's not forget, he's already been in the top class since 2018 when he was, was Rookie of the Year. And, and being up against, in inverted commas, um, nine times world champion Valentino Rossi as his teammate could be seen as something of an issue. But it's absolutely not. It's the other way around, uh, yes. Nick, because that's, he's, he's part of, of Valentino's academy and graduated through it. So effectively, he's in the team with his mentor. Win-win. He's, he's riding for his boss. It's great, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Frankie obviously did particularly well last year. Um, and Valentino has been on a slow, a slow aging slide in his last three or four years. We've Had a horrible most. season last year. He's 42 now. So mm. he has reached the, the answer to life, universe and everything. So that's good news. Um I think that we'll see a much, much better Rossi this year. I think you know, he, he, was, he was another man who picked up COVID um, last year and the end of the season was pretty indicative of, of, of what we've seen for a number of sports stars when they've had um, that infection. I think Rossi is going to be able to get the best out of this Yamaha on a number of occasions this season. Mm. And I think that that team, I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you now, I think that that team is going to score more manufacturers or championship points, or however you want to put it, combined than the works team will. 
No win in two seasons for Rossi, and you know that hasn't happened very often. More than two years. It's not since um, Assen. Twenty seventeen. Is it really? Twenty seventeen yeah. is his last win. Wow. Three and a half. Wow. Yeah, four years. Well, so it has been a, a really, a really lean time. I've got to be honest with you, Dex. Um, I think if I was putting an each way bet on. Uh, Franco Morbidelli would be one of my each way bets for the championship. Yep, I, I, agree, I, I, think he, I think he can get a lot out of this season. I really do. He's really fast, really fast. And he has, he is mentally incredibly strong yeah. and he's, he's, he's actually, and here, go back to, go back to the, to, we, we talk about 2019, go back to 2019 where he starts off as the number one and granted in a very young team where they were, were finding their feet at Petronas Yamaha. But he's the number one rider. He's told he has to score more points than Quattararo. Mm. Halfway through the season, Quattararo's guaranteed the factory bike for the following year. Yeah. And Morbidelli is absolutely the number two on the team. Some riders would have wilted and disappeared. He didn't. No. He got better. He grew. And he's bounced, the way he's bounced back after injuries. Remember, he, uh, earlier in his career, he broke his leg. and he, uh, in a, It was a training accident, wasn't it? He was off on a motocross bike. Well, and he worked hard and came back stronger than yeah. ever. And don't forget, he's come from nothing. He doesn't come from any money. No. He doesn't come from... He is uh, He is entirely self-made, which is fantastic. Him and his dad have done an unbelievable job. He's uh, unbelievable. And and he's... The, the amount of rubbish he's been through... Uh, <laughs> uh, better, better riders would have... Uh, would just not have have come out the other side of it, and he's he is arguably, as you said, might be even the favourite for the championship. Oh, I wouldn't say that, I, but I I think he's there, and it, and I think a, I I think a lot of people might overlook him just because you know he's not one of the fashionable. Uh, He's riders. a ridiculously lovely bloke. Oh, well. I know, I know. Everybody, everybody says that. Let's move on to Pramac uh, Ducati. We yes. mentioned Ducati before, and Dex, I'll come to you first on the bike this time. Um, what is the difference between a Pramac Ducati and a Ducati Works Ducati? I, I think this year almost nothing. Right. I think this is the whole point of of the, Zarco's promise was they were going to basically give him a factory bike, uh, and uh, which excites me enormously for the very reasons we talked about earlier, because basically he gets, as Nick describes, as maybe the best bike in the paddock. Uh, and he doesn't get the hat stand box of frogs uh, environment <laughs> of the other the garage across the way. Uh, I, I, I don't think he's going to win the title, obviously, but I think he's going to break his duck on Grand Prix wins this year. Double more two champion. Double more two champion. He's... He's one of those, and this happens in every branch of the sport. You make a wrong decision in terms of your career at one point, and yeah. sometimes you never get yeah. back to the, the right. And luckily, his path back has, is arguably has come through Primac. But he was waiting for the works. People forget this. He was waiting for, the, for basically Rossi to retire, and he was going to get the Yamaha ride. And yeah. Rossi just wasn't <laughs> going to retire. So he left, he left uh, uh, Tech 3, uh, banging his head off the wall because he couldn't, there was no path forward for him, which brought him to KTM, and that was a disaster for him, and that could have ended his career. Yeah. But he, he, he's back, and uh, he's clearly the number one in that team. Uh, I think he gets a whole year this year of of not much of a threat from Jorge Martinez. Jorge Martinez learns to ride the bike, but yeah, I, I think an he's, ad- he's an the- adaptable rider. Do you remember when he jumped in for uh, Nakagami actually LCR for the last three? Rounds 
Was that 19? He did. Although it's interesting you say that because the one thing, obviously, he couldn't adapt to the KTM. No. But I'll let. But uh... Uh, true. Well, then, yes, who could? In fairness, um, I, I, I think, I think this is an interesting year for him. Um, his teammate Nick is is a Mortal Three World Champion, Hockey Martin, um, who started out way back in 2012 in the Red Bull Rookies Cup, and he had a horrible season, uh, and had all sorts of injuries, uh, and. Then he was a runner-up behind Carol Haneke. Whatever happened to Carol? Um, Dex says he doesn't think he'd be a, a threat to Joanne Sarko. What do you think? No, I couldn't. I, I have to agree. It's a learning year for Jorge, and I, and, uh, and uh, you know, and in many ways, this just looking at the. Um, Is this a, I mean, he he has been. He has been yeah, the poster is, child yeah, is, for the yeah. ladder system, hasn't let's, he? Let's, let's, I'm not going to start. I'm not talking about um, Jorge Martin specifically, but there is a problem that MotoGP has as a whole, and that is its incredible, mostly dual country rider makeup. You know, if you took the Italians and the Spaniards out of MotoGP, about four riders, MotoGP needs to have a more expansive rider base. Oh, yeah, all right. Um, you, yeah, it's great. You found another great Spaniard, yeah, but he's only the sixth best Spaniard, and Spain is 40 million people. Why aren't you looking for riders from, why aren't you looking for riders from other countries? You know, and, and I realise the ladder system, and I realise how they come up and through, but it's exactly the same reason is why does Britain run, the Great Britain rule World Superbikes? You know, it doesn't make any sense that there's no decent but Spanish. But the Italian, the, the Italian and, and you know. uh, Spanish road racing national championships are as British Formula 3 was back in the day. That's, but, that's but the yeah, answer but, to but, that. But, but what, what were we brought up on? Australians and Americans. Why can Australian yes. and Americans no longer ride bikes? I'll tell you why. I mean, obviously, Jack Miller is an exception. Because they're not being looked at. It's you've got these, these very, very, you know, we've got 47 races in Spain and five races in Italy. It's, it's, it's the most insular world championship in both <laughs> location well, and rider. This is nothing against any of the individual riders no, I know, or any I of the know. individual circuits. But surely there should be a Brit in, in, in MotoGP. There should be a Scandinavian. There should be, you know, a competitive German. Do not you know Say, though, be, you, know. you know what I'm going to say? The same thing uh, as I would say to anybody about why did um, Scott McLaughlin get that Indy car drive when there's a whole load of Americans that should have had it. Um, it's where the sponsors come from. And that and that's it's where the sponsor money's behind Dex, isn't it? Yeah, but, but you know what? I, what's interesting is I think uh, Nick has absolutely got a point. But I think, for example, I think in two years we're going to have three Americans in Moto, MotoGP. I think we're going to have Joe Roberts. We're going to have Bobier. And we're gonna have. It's been awesome in the national series. Yeah, but and he's now moved across to Moto Two. Yeah, uh, and Gerloff, uh, I think is gonna is is. Yes. I think people people really did sit up and take notice of of his cameo at the end of last year in MotoGP yeah. when he got on the on the factory bike. I think there's going to be three Americans within the next two years, and and I really really like Joe Roberts a lot. But do you not think? Sorry, do you don't think the fact that Gerloff, who who is. A good rider, but not not even a great rider at the front of World Superbikes, can do what he did in a cameo. Why aren't the other people having the cameos from other great, series, from other great countries? Point. That is a good point. That is a good. And this point. is not. Would be looking at weird? Be... I'm, I'm just thinking we should just move out of two countries or three countries to ten countries. It hasn't got to be Brits. It could be anybody. 
The Patronus ladder helps though, because I'm just looking at that. If you think about some of the guys there, like Jake Dixon's in the is a, you know is in that, and we if if his career path moves the way uh, the second half of last season did, I think he could end up in a MotoGP seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe when Rossi goes, I think there's and it what again what you were saying, Nick, absolutely reflects what Dorna wants. Dorna absolutely wants a Brit. That market is huge for them from a TV perspective. They want to make America bigger from a television perspective. Dorna needs representation outside of the countries that they currently have. Uh, Because it's, you're absolutely right. Because people like somebody to cheer for, don't they? Let's be honest. Yes. And uh, as great as as the, the top Spaniards and Italians are, you're absolutely. You want you want more representation. I'm I'm completely with Nick on that. All absolutely. right. Let, let's let's. You're listening to the Radio Show Limited preview to the 2021 MotoGP season. That was Declan Brennan, Nick Damon, and me, John Hindoff, as well as we're going through team by team. We've yet to talk about uh, a KTM, so let's do that now with Red Bull KTM factory racing, and we do go outside at least for one of their riders, the Mediterranean stroke. Uh, Atlantic coast of Europe. That's Brad Binder, the, the man from Pochestroom, uh, and Miguel Oliveira, the Portuguese man from Pragel. Uh, so a couple of riders here. KTM, Nick, KTM, uh, the Austrian manufacturer. Yeah, they had a fantastic year last year, breakthrough year. Uh, was it three wins? None of them, actually, obviously, to their to their erstwhile team leader at the time, Paul Esperago. Um yeah, I mean, they had a very, very, very poor test at Qatar, but that has been put down to Qatar being the track that least suits the bike. So, you know, yeah, let's, let's weigh up. It's unlikely they've lost their, their, their what's, you know, very good overall pace over the course of the winter. Um, yeah, they've, they've come from there. They've lost their they've lost their concessions this year, of course, because they were successful last year, so they won't get the little benefits you get from being a smaller factory team. Uh, Binder and Oliveira obviously both won races. Binder in the Czech Republic. Unfortunately, that race isn't taking place this year. Mm. Uh, and Oliveira... For, that was uh, the first rookie since Mark Marquez to win a race in a MotoGP season, can you believe? No, I'm really surprised. Oliveira won the last race, didn't he? He absolutely dominated in Portugal. Yeah. He whole fastest lap, won by a year and a half. Uh, his home race, absolutely sensational. And, and, and took the Rookie of the Year as well. But don't forget, he won He won in Austria as well. Uh, uh, he followed up Binder's win with a win, uh, which gave Tech 3 and Hervé Poncheral his first ever win. We'll get to that later mm. uh, after a quarter of a century of drawing. Uh, Sorry, go ahead, Nick. I was I interrupted. No, no, no. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good combination of riders. I think they're both. Brad Binder had a very much a rookie season. Great races, bad races, not an issue of that. Fantastic. Miguel Oliveira was was absolutely on a on a a, a sweep upwards and, and seemed to be able to maximise when the bike was good. So I think they're both riders who are looking. You would think now to springboard onto bigger and better things this season. Yeah, um, Binder for me. I mean, he he. Could have, should have, maybe uh, won the Moto GP, uh, the Moto Two title um, in twenty nineteen. Yeah, left it a bit late. They they came yeah. on. They, they took a little bit of time to get used to the, was it two, to the two points, three points that he lost that championship by. Won the last three races. Yeah, the yeah. problem is it was already tied up. But it, time to go to the last race, it really didn't matter. But yeah, uh, so it was. And, and of, as I say, what, first rookie since Mark Marquez to to win a race that that Czech Grand Prix uh, victory. Oliveira, to me, is um, is an interesting character. Um, came up uh, through the FIMCV, the Repsol Championship, as it was then, going back, I mean, that's 12 years ago, when he was up against Maverick Vinales 
Uh, I think that went to the final race uh, of the year, and he and he lost to Maverick. Uh, he's had a, an interesting career career path, but but I. I, I do think he's another one of these riders, Oliveira, Dex, who it, it's easy for people to just overlook Owen Miguel Oliveira. But there yeah. he is again towards the front in qualifying. And there he is as well. And you've just put something on our our um, text chat, actually, that I was I'm not sure he would have got the chances with another manufacturer. But but KTM tend to like to let their riders develop. Yeah, he wouldn't have got another chance if he'd been uh, involved at Red Bull on four wheels, put it that way. Well, that's a very good point. Uh, Red Bull and KTM, there's such a confidence. And I I, I admire this enormously, the the confidence they have in their full ecosystem Hmm. Uh, and the the latitude they give their riders to develop because they understand how hard this is. You know, I think they genuinely do. Uh, Brad Binder, uh, you know, came into, took, three seasons in Moto3 to get it right. And they let him do it. Mikel Oliveira didn't win a championship in Moto2, but they, they brought him up because they saw what they had. And look at what he did. Two wins. And that last win, granted, yeah, uh, 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 interesting circumstances in his home race at the end of the year, but he absolutely destroyed the field in, in Portugal. And and you're right. he's He's not an afterthought, but it's because he's so he's not very demonstrative. The way he no. goes about his business, good point. Uh, is is he kind of gets overlooked, and he is really, really good. And uh, and my wife thinks he's absolutely smoking hot as well. But that's a, that's another story. But he he's very he's a he's well. He's a the spitting image of you. In fairness, Dex, you're absolutely <laughs> that, right. That is true. Huh? That is true. The, the same hair and everything. Uh, <laughs> and he is a marketing phenomenon in Portugal. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I the question mark. To some extent, is how Red Bull absolutely now exist going forward as a a team with no concessions. That's a, Nick's point is extremely valid. Uh, it's a different world they're in now. Mm. Um, we'll talk about the KTM team uh, in a minute. Uh, we, we move now to the um, uh, what is effectively uh, the factory team for Honda. Although I'm sure uh, LCR would say that. I mean, they've got the the same kind of uh, equipment, at least. But the HRC, or as it is, the Repsol Honda team, has uh, Spaniard Paul Espargaro, um, much to the chagrin of Nick, obviously, as it's another Spaniard. No, I'm only really saying that. Um, and, you know, his world championship CV uh, goes all the way back to 2006 when he debuted in the 125 World Championship. And alongside him at some stage in the season will be Mark Marquez. Uh, it won't be for the first two races because apparently Mark has finally caught up with all the podcasts and listened intently to our review and has seen a bit of sense because he's going to sit out, Nick, the first two races at least of the season. Yeah, I mean, uh, well done, Mark. That's the advice. You followed the advice. And, um, yeah, I mean, the weird thing is that you look at all the riders we've discussed and with the exception of one who's 15 years or 10 years past his peak, there's no one anywhere near the quality of Marquez anymore. They've all retired, been injured or left. And even Marquez giving the rest of the field a three race start and coming back from injury, you kind of think, well, oh, I'm not sure he wouldn't still win it if he comes back in any level. Mm. It's, it's a very 
weirdly uneven championship that has been given life by a very unfortunate accident by its its standout star. Mm. Um, he's, you know, he was irrefutably the, the the best rider of the previous ten years. He will be, to come back to anything near to fitness, be the best rider of this field because this is a field of very good MotoGP riders, but none of these are great. Uh, none of these are great. Uh, Apart it, from Rossi, obviously he was, yes. he was having a lovely retirement, yeah. and Marquez, um, and and that is the difference. And there's, a, and, there's a, and there's a quantifiable difference. And you just kind of think that when he turns up, this concept which I've heard bandied around that for every month you're off, you need two months to come back, isn't isn't going to play. And within four races, he'll be back at the front again and giving them giving them more heck. Uh, Lasile Qatar, uh, of course, the first two rounds. Definitely for the first, probably for the second. He won't be there. It'll be Stefan Bradl, Dix, who'll stand in, um, which he, he did in, in 2020 as well. I mean, by the end of the season, he was, he was doing a lot better on that bike. Um, so was everybody else. And apparently in the official pre-season test, um, Bradl was there or, or thereabouts. Um, I, I, I'll come back to Stefan with you two in a moment. But your thoughts on, on Marquez. I mean, we spent, most people, and we tried not to fall into the trap, but most people spent more time talking about a rider that wasn't in the championship last year than the ones that were. But it is a big story. And it shows me, at least, that Marquez is perhaps a little more self-aware if that if he's going to get back to his very best, that he's going to need to take this time off. I think there's a there's a, a load of things at play here. Primarily, and this is something Nick's talked about in the past. He's probably still more hurt than we, we have ever been truly given the full totally picture. Totally agree. Uh, because if he was even close to fitness, he'd ride. He just would. You know, we've talked about it enough times. He is. He's beyond the ultimate competitor. He's he's the ultimate competitor to the point where it's an illness. And and if he was <laughs> even close... Can't be vaccinated was, against it either, really. No, he was close to fit. If he was close to fitness, he'd ride. He's, I firmly believe he's nowhere near close. And the fact is, he won't be fully fit when he does come back, but it'll be enough. Uh, the, Nick and I spoke about this uh, before uh, we chatted about the fact that we were going to be doing this. I said, the beauty of this is, in some respects, this year is a handicap championship because Mar- Marquez gets to come back after three or four races and it'll still go down to the last race of the season and he still might win it. And that's ultimately where the series is. And And I, wa- I want to believe that there's a, a full generation of riders who are coming in now who've never been beaten by him, who haven't had the uh, haven't been mentally worn wow, down by yes. him. Uh, and and are, are guys who've won races and like to think they know how to win races, and maybe that is a, a leap forward. But well, that's certainly. I mean, earlier on, that's we should have mentioned this, but that certainly affected Fabio Quattararo, who w- was getting to Marquez a bit, and Marquez started to play mind games. Uh, and ultimately, you might say, "All right, we know what happened last season." But but ultimately, you might say he got the better of of Quattararo mentally, and 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 Quattararo has, has been left with those scars. Yeah, he also, and we talked about it before, he did the same thing uh, deliberately, like a, like a cat playing with a mouse. Uh, he did the same thing to Vinales mm. in Phillip Island two yeah. years ago, where yeah. he, he, he sat behind him, pretended to go by him. Oh, I can't make it down the street. Oh, no, hang on, I can. And then with a lap to go, just went by. Like, that's, that's the mindset of the man. 
Mm. Uh, mm. He probably won't have that initially. Uh, we may be mid-season before he gets to be the fully Mar- the Mark Marquez of old, but that might be enough. That might be enough. It depends how say- how competitive we see the championship, and we'll talk about that at, at the end, about what we see and how we see the championship going when I ask you for, for your predictions and whether we get somebody running away with it or whether effectively the points are, are shared shared around uh, a bit. Um, before we talk about his uh, new teammate on the, the Honda for 2021, uh, let's talk about Stefan Bradl, uh, Dex. Um, I mean, he was on a hiding to nothing, jumping on that bike. Uh, he did get better towards the end of the season. He's tested uh, pretty well. But, I mean, ultimately, uh, he he really hasn't got anything to lose except bringing the the bike um, uh, bike home and, and getting points for, for, for the manufacturer, hasn't he? Yeah, he's got to do the job he's continued to do, which is to make the bike better, which he does. And and he he's highly respected as a test rider. He's doing – it's just a bonus for him to get a – to get a few more because uh, he gets paid a bit more. He gets, he gets literally gets bonus Start money, money. Start for money. racing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but he's just there to to keep the seat warm, to help make progress with the bike, and to support Paul Aspargaro. Uh, and that's the important bit because Aspargaro may well jump onto this bike running. Uh, if if I can mix my metaphors a little bit, I'll let let Nick. Uh, hit the, uh, hit, the, that, but... hit the ground with the wheel still spinning. Um, before before I get you to talk about Paul Espargaro, a final thought from you, Nick, on, on the Marquez conundrum. Well, actually, it, bl- it blends really well into what um, Dex just said about Bradle, in that Bradle's job has been to develop the bike. But what he's been doing effectively is sanitising it so other riders can ride it. Ooh, so when like Marquez that. comes back, he's yeah. not going to have a Marquez bike. He's going to have an ordinary rider's bike. And will he be as good on an ordinary rider's bike as one that's tuned to his ridiculous that, style? That was sort of where I was going earlier on with Taka even. You know, what 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 state is the bike in now for Marquez to yeah. come back to? And I, and I think that is a very valid point when he comes well, back. And, and how long... On the ta- oh, sorry, John. On Taka Nakagami, the one thing he can say about him, he's the one rider who actually was able to learn anything from Mark Marquez's data. Well, as opposed to everybody else who went, don't be silly, I can't yeah. do that. That is actually against the laws of physics. Yeah, uh, so I, yeah, I'm just going to kick it into a bin. and um, Set, that, and like, set light again. to that, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Paul Espargaro, Nick, you have uh, first go yeah, on um, this. Can, right, simple question, and it's about yeah. the bike. It is about the bike. Um, he, he had a great year last year. The KTM, as we've already said, was a bit of the surprise package of the season, and he, he was right in the middle of everything that happened. Five podium finishes, two poles for the first time in his career, fifth in the championship. Still hasn't got a Premier Class win, though. Um, the RC. 213V, can he make the jump, or the running jump, as Dex would have it, uh, onto the Honda? Well, he did pretty well in testing, so that, that was a good start. He's, 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 he's hit the ground limping, running, cartwheel, anyway, he's got on the bike and gone quite fast. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think, I think he, you know, he's a definite upgrade from Alex Marquez on the, on the works bike. You know, Honda were horrendously bitten last year by having no one to back up Marquez when Marquez went. It was the first year they hadn't won a Grand Prix in the Premier Class since... <laughs> I think, I'm going to say 82, but certainly since the early 80s. Um, and, you know, he, he, I mean, I'll say now, I'm like, oh, my prediction, Paul Espargo will win a race this year. He will break that duck. Mm. It's too, it's one of these things where I know we're doing predictions. We should kind of have it. It's too early to say whether he's got enough to put a championship season together. But he'll have enough good races to win one. Uh, and I mean, with Espargo or Dex, uh, another Moto2 champion, 
But that was oh, yeah. back in 2013. That seems a, a long time ago now. But I echo what Nick says about how hard it was for for Honda. Look at how the the Honda representatives in their white Honda shirts, look at how they behaved when uh, Alex Marquez was second at Le Mans. You would have thought they'd won the world championship. Uh, in Espargaro, have they got a rider that, as Nick says, can win races. And if and when Marquez comes back, is he is he still going to be able to compete? And is he going to be allowed to compete with? Because there's no doubt he's number one in that team. When he comes back, it's it's Marquez. He's number one and number two in that team. What a fantastic point! It's almost like what happens. And I don't know. I don't know if this is possible. What happens if he wins the first two races of the season? Oh, then Mar- Marquez will be back in round three. Whatever else he thinks, or and that, I don't know the I genuinely don't know the answer to this. But what if and it is absolutely possible Espargaro could win win both races in Qatar, or he could win. He could uh, that to me is is almost the worst thing that could happen with <laughs> with Repsol Honda. If Espargaro puts himself in a position to be world champion, what do they do? And that is not out of the question no. because his 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 speed. And his, his consistency was phenomenal last year. He was so unlucky. He should have won. Do you remember? We, we forget that he was leading in Austria when we had the uh, – I'm going to forget which accident because it was two huge accidents yes. in, uh, in consecutive weeks. I think it was the, the big one, the, the, the Morbidelli-Zarco accident. He was leading. And we remember – I don't think he knew what had happened. And he came in fuming into, into his garage. Yeah. And he was probably robbed of victory. Yeah, because they, uh, they didn't have another new tyre to go on the bike, did they, for the restart? And, and so we know he can win uh, – and on this bike, with the development curve that we've seen, I think he's likely that he will win. So it becomes a question of, I know this sounds insane, but will he be allowed to win? Well, that's what I said, yes. And I meant, and I meant that literally. Uh, and what happens to development during the season? So if Mark Marquez comes back in round three or round four and decides he doesn't like the way the bike is, when the development parts, such as you're allowed, uh, are being put together, who, who's going to get the call? On that, and and if you know, and and you know, if you pull, you're going. Uh, I get, no, no, it's, it's. I'm quite happy. With, don't take that off my bike. Uh, this is the only the only analogy I can think of is Eddie Irvin uh, at Ferrari when when uh, when Schumacher came back, and Schumacher basically was there to play. Uh, Nick, have I got that right? He kind of ninety nine, yeah, yeah. Uh, ju- just a, an extraordinary potential situation, Nick, as Dex has, has laid out, because Marquez is so big. And what a Honda say? Well, I think I know what Honda would say, don't you? Well, yeah, I mean, it's they will obviously take the assessment where they are on the various points, but I, it's 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 such a a weird prospect, as, as Dex said, of having you know the the a man who has dominated the championship, but it has question marks against him turning up to rejoin the circus at some point, but whilst there will still be more than a mathematical chance of him winning it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an odd one. And one we'll watch through the season. We wish Mark Marquez the best in his return to full fitness. And, and the only thing I'm going to say to finish off on, on Marquez again, I still think sometimes he has to be protected from himself. Uh, and I do agree with Dex about how bad this must be if he's not, if he's not riding, and, and hopefully he will listen to 
advice because it would be a horrible, horrible thing if he came back and he wasn't ready and he was either yeah. running around at the back or or he fell off and did himself or more injured damage. himself again. Yes. Yeah, and that's I, the thing. I really don't want to say there, there will be people out there that will say he's a grown up and blah blah blah, and there will even be people out there saying, "Well, would serve him right." But I, that that's uh, no, sorry. Sometimes um, y- you've got to you've got to pull back a little bit. And Go John, on, Dex. One I last will thought. say, I will say. If he's doing this because he feels he needs to protect or, or or underline his legacy, then he's he's men- he's a mentally ill man. Well, he because he t- and he somebody's never... got to be telling him that. Yeah, exactly. If he never comes back, he's the greatest rider we've ever seen. It's yeah. uh, and I, as I've said this before, I, I, it makes me almost makes me weep to say that. I, that's how much I will l- love uh, yeah. Valentino Rossi. But Marquez is the greatest rider we've ever seen, and it doesn't era. matter if. Yes. What was of this era? Yeah, yes. in this era. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it doesn't. And it, and it and and put it this way: he's on Mount Rushmore, uh, <laughs> if, uh, right now, if he needs to be. Yeah. So if he so never else, comes back, who else on bike? Who else is on bike Mount Rushmore? Uh, Halewood, Rossi, Marquez, and uh, okay. I'd probably put Ago. And then what about John uh, Surtees? And, uh, no, I wouldn't put Surtees. And then right down at the bottom, the smoking area would be for Joey Dunlop. <laughs> the, the, uh... Barry Shane? <laughs> no, God, no. You'd, no Kenny, uh, Kenny Roberts? Kenny would, Kenny would, oh, God, do you put Kenny Mick on? Doing? Mick Doohan? No, no, Doohan, Doohan fell into what? the, what? Doohan fell into the right er, so era. Mm. I know, but he, he also, all of the others, all of the other greats around him disappeared and suddenly the, the door opened up for him to. The, there's a to, program. To be, there's a program in this. We'll keep that for uh, Moto. Uh, Actually, I'm going to take Ago off and put Kenny Roberts on. Okay. Um, Ooh, we, we're going to do the Mount Rushmore of various uh, motor racing and motorcycling disciplines. Uh, that and have uh, and have Dex and uh, and Nick uh, argue about it in the future and and bit, bit sort of Hall of Fameish. But uh, I quite like that. Let's move on to the Sky VR46 Avenisha team. Uh, well, at least for Luca Marini, uh, his teammate is Ene Bastianini, who is in the Avenicia e-sponsorama racing uh, team. Slight difference in the banana rama racing team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what that's going to be from now on. Uh, Robert De Niro's ra- 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 in, uh, in the Robert De Niro's racing. Robert De Niro's racing, riding a Honda. Yeah, well, he's riding a Ducati, so actually yeah, he's riding syllables. Italian, so it works. Ducati. No, no, riding Italian. It, that that good, works. Yeah. Um, uh, Luca Marini. <laughs> uh, we've had accents and we've had Nick singing. It's a proper program. Half brother of Valentino Rossi, of course. Another product of the Italian. CIV series uh, went then to the Spanish road racing series in 2014. Uh, that was the Moto 3, and he was in Moto 2 in 2015. Yeah, he's been in Moto 2 for a long time. Took him. Uh, that's a you know that's an interesting one. He, he's, uh, he's regarded Dex as one of the as one of the up and coming youngsters, and and he's going to partner the guy who edged him to the title, of course, uh, and here. Bastanini, but let's talk about Marini first of all. Is he as good as his CV would suggest? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's a late bloomer. I think I I, I think the sometimes again uh, the the thing that runs through all of this it, it feels like to me is that on two wheels you seem to get more of an opportunity. Maybe maybe it's just coincidence, but he he was allowed. He was given the space through his brother's organisation 
to breathe and to grow. And it took him a little bit longer, but but he matured last year uh, and arguably would have won the title if not for that absolutely horrific high side oh, at yes. Le Mans. Oh, yes. Just frightening. Launched into space. And I, I feel like he wasn't the same rider for two or three races, maybe. But yeah, Felix Baumgartner rang him up afterwards and said, can I have my record back? <laughs> um, so, so the beauty is, I, I, I feel like, Every he's in the again he's in the right environment he's in an environment that is it's he's he's not moved out of VR forty six he's going to be comfortable Bassanini will be as well and I think the pressure will be off them and uh, that will allow them I think to probably perform above what might be expected of them so I'm thinking we get some good results out of both of these riders uh, two rookies is is the point that uh, Dex is, is making here for the uh, let's just call it VR forty six. Uh, and here, Bastanini, um, I like his riding style. Uh, um, Moto2 last year, I, I like the way he went about his, his work. Um, but two rookies in MotoGP, I mean, they know each other. They know each other's styles. Uh, haven't been teammates before, though. Uh, is, is it taking a bit of a punt to have two brand new riders in the top class, Nick? Well, it's one of the satellite teams. They're on a couple of year old bike. May as well. Single swim in it. They, they normally come with a little bit of money, um, a little bit of sponsorship. A little bit, you know, who else are you going to put on there? You know, Carol Abraham. You know, she can run around and wobble off and crash a couple of times. But no, put a couple of guys on. I'll be honest with you, obviously. So, you are so unforgiving. Remind me, if you ever start any kind of race team, <laughs> I don't want to be in it. I really don't you, want to be you in haven't, it. You haven't seen the decision you're making about our virtual race team. Oh, some people have been straight out after a bad performance, I can tell you. Oh, my goodness, so just mate. remember that they were sponsored by Hublot because uh, Tito Rabat's father runs the biggest chain of uh, jewellery stores in Spain. Yeah. So uh, that's where that, that money and, and sponsorship came from. Mm. Uh, Tito Rabat, of course, moving to with Ducati to, to World Superbike mm. this year. But uh, but yeah, I think Nick's right. Uh, ultimately, I, I don't think there's a lot of pressure on them in year one. They're on older bikes. They're in effectively, or without question, the third Ducati team. So I think anything in the top 10 is going to, uh, you know, it's going to be good, and uh, they're both. I, I'm, I'm actually leaning towards Bastianini being the one who's going to probably have more of the breakout year because I, I, I really, really enjoyed watching him on the Altrans bike last year. It's certainly it's Altrans bike last year. He he put in some absolutely extraordinary performances on a bike that wouldn't necessarily have been yeah. uh, uh, as good as the as the VR46 Moto Twos. I, I know I I. I... Agree with you there, Dex, because I thought what we saw last year was a good balance from an air of aggression when he needed to be, um, maturity on the bike, and that sometimes is pacing yourself at the front of the field. That sometimes is, if you're on a bike that that day is probably only a fifth place bike and you're in fourth, going, I hope I'm I'm in credit here, and and recognising that, and I, I thought that was uh, that was quite a good run to the championship for him last year. Uh, it's not always though that everybody translates across, and we've talked about this before uh, in our midweek motorsport uh, Moto GP bit. Not everybody makes the transition from Moto2 to MotoGP. And some people, actually, Nick, who haven't been that good in Moto2, just get on with the, the Premier Class bike more. Yeah, the, the, I think it's a such a big jump from Moto2 to MotoGP. You're looking at a, uh, what, 125, 130 horsepower engine, 
up to 230, 235. And then you think, oh, OK, well, that's that is an increase. But the big difference is that suddenly you have way too much power for the group available rather than, you know, controllable power. Mm. You have a lot more weight. You have error. You have um, wave expectations. It's a massive, massive difference. And it's it's even bigger than if you do that same sort of thing in a car, because don't forget, you are controlling all the forces. You have to you know, physically you need to be a much bigger, bigger presence, not a bigger guy to muscle around the motor GP bike than you do when you're when you're running in a in a sport in motor two motor three I mean, moto three you're only going to win if you're a little jockey it doesn't mean you, you you won't you know end up being an excellent motor gp rider and yeah. vice versa or motor two yeah absolutely we'll have uh, a quick word about motor two and motor three uh, once we've finished our meander through the grid here on motor gp because that's what we're looking at here and uh, we come last but not least to what i still want to call tech Trois, tech three ktm factory racing for danny petrucci and alongside him is ica lacona uh, dex uh, ktm uh, we've talked about them as a manufacturer what machinery are these two riders getting then for tech three well danilo is getting effectively uh, the the factory RC sixteen. Uh, I I believe the there's a consistency across the four bikes generally with that team, uh, and and I'm delighted for Danilo specifically because uh, certainly having uh, won a race last year and uh, in doing so uh, raised the most spectacular middle finger. It wasn't a middle finger. Uh, it was, you know, that Italian thing where where you you hold uh, the joint of your uh, of your arm and flick your fist upwards. I don't know, I don't know what what it's called, but he basically did did one of those to Ducati. Uh, he shot his way out of town by winning uh, a, a, a dysfunctional relationship that was getting worse and worse, uh, and was of no use to him whatsoever. Again, a, a perfect example of how absolutely completely uh, nuts that organization is he's going into an, an organization where he's probably going to flourish and i certainly see more wins uh, uh in the long term maybe even this year for petrucci uh, it's a great situation for him uh lacona um how old was he he was just 16 wasn't he when he came into oh. motor two he was right on the the minimum age um and he had Nick, last year um, with Tech Three, he had a, an all right year, but he, he he didn't set anything alight. He, he, he was in the top ten three times. I, I think they'll expect more of him this year, Nick. Yeah, I think he underperformed. Well, he came with a big swoosh of oh, this is he's a, a really great thing. He put in some good testing performances, and there were so many opportunities to do well because there were so many races where other people when a selection of people just lost the plot you know there's lots of chances to do really well you didn't have like a procession of races where you're the top five were the same guys and he never quite took that opportunity to to, to really shine but uh, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's nothing to doubt. He needs a second. He, he deserves a second year because everyone has to learn. And these things are a big thing to learn. As I just said. Mm. I, I like the look of these four riders on the KTM bikes in terms of the balance of them and what they bring to the party decks. The corner, again, we talked about it with with the the full factory team. Probably wouldn't have necessarily been given another year. Uh, after last year, because as I said, it was it was kind of okay, but nothing spectacular. Yeah, it's one of the things I I, I can't say it enough how much I admire about the way KTM and Red Bull go about their business on two wheels. And 
because in you've we've seen it in another in, in four wheel sport where you take a guy in who you know is a risk mm. who's young uh, and then uh, you leave him to his own devices and when he doesn't perform you say bye bye which is to me has always been absolutely insanity personified yeah and this is not what happens with the with two wheels they took him in knowing he was a fact he was 20 year old he hadn't even won he barely finished on the podium in moto 2 but they saw and he was racing a 2018 bike in 2019 in moto 2 mm. uh, so they they uh took him on knowing he wasn't in any way the finished article and gave him even with the threat that the public or the press had decided that he crashed too many times early on and he was going to get fired. We had to put him on a Grand Prix bike in Valencia in, uh, when was that, 18? Uh, at the end of the season, yes. A test, in testing, yeah. yeah. And and so so he, he's been given the space to mature. And I, I, I would say... This year, I think they're obviously their their expectation is going to go up, and they need to see more from him. But they've at least given him the opportunity to learn. And as Nick said, riding one of these bikes fast is is not the work uh, of when when you're uh, you're young and small, and uh, you know it's not the work of a moment. You don't learn to do it fast. Actually, I've just, looked, will... I've just looked at Updex. They put him into MotoGP, of course, at the end of 2019 at Valencia. He actually. Um, yeah, I, I, and and that's what you're talking about here. You're talking about having confidence in the original decision and saying, "Take your time. We don't expect you to be, you know, winning a world championship on your your first full season and and stuff like that." I I think he will gel nicely. As I said, I, I think it's a nicely balanced foursome on those KTM's, and I and I think I, I certainly don't think he'd be hurt by uh, or disadvantaged, Dex, by riding with Petrucci. No, not at all. Not at all. What I will say is, in the longer term, uh, he is the one that would be uh, unfortunate for him is probably, if there's a hot seat there, he he's on it right now because yeah. he's the one who has the most to prove, I believe. Yeah. And their their ladder structure is pretty impressive, and and I, I would I would be worried about the likes of uh, Darren Binder. Coming in, and uh, particularly Remy Gardner, yeah. uh, over the next couple of years. So, uh, so he's got the fires under under him, but they've given him the chance to prove himself. And it could be to the detriment of those two other riders if he Ooh. really begins to establish himself. So, uh, it's a great thing to keep an eye on during the season. Uh, and Nick, we know Petrucci is good when the weather's bad because that victory in the rain at Le Mans was absolutely outstanding, and and that. Victory, I think. I think I was only his second time he stood on the podium in Moto GP. All right, it was as good as it got. Twelfth in the championship, but that that's that's a confidence booster right there going into the, the the new season. He can draw on that. Yeah, and I think you know he was the only positive thing he said about Ducati in the entire time he was there. He was very pleased they sacked him so early in the season so he could find a really nice ride for the following year. Um, you know, and it, it, some riders need the arm round. Some need to know they're being supported. And I think Dinner is one of those. He's not going to win the world championship, but he could get a number of really good results. So, gentlemen, we've now been through all the teams. I will let you think a little bit, particularly Nick, for a little bit. I, I want to have a very quick word about Mortal 2 and Mortal 3. That's not what this um, show is about, Dex, but it, tremendously. If you only watch MotoGP over a weekend, and I understand there's, there's time pressure for everybody, you really are missing 
out. Um, Mortal Three is the um, just it's just bonkers. I, I loved your description of the Idemitsu Master MX Five Cup this year as as Mortal Three on on four wheels. Mortal Two, little bit different. The bikes are a little bit more lethargic, and it's a very different riding style. Uh, just a, a quick line on Mortal Three from you first of all. Well, from the British perspective, this is this is it for John McPhee. I Got think. It's like John, you got to do Scott. it. Yeah, yeah, and and I want him to do it. Uh, it's going to be really hard, but uh, because it is an insanely wide open series. But I think for McPhee, he's uh, between. I think Kim and Binder have have a little bit of of pressure on him. Darren Binder's been in the series for a while. He certainly made huge strides forward last year. He's on a Petronas. Uh, I beg your pardon. He's on a. Uh, uh, in fact, he is on a Petronas bike this year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Darren Binder. I'm sorry, not on. No, he's not KTM. I'm. I'm apologise for that. But uh, but they're the guys. I think they've got to win it. And between those two, uh, but it's wide open. Uh, it could be anybody. It could be Garcia. It could be Alcoba. Gabriel Rodrigo. There's just name after name. And Moto Two, uh, kind of the same. <laughs> it's. It would be. Although I kind of feel like really for. Uh, for Sam Lowe's, it's kind of his year to do it. Well, the two riders we've just talked about in the Tech 3, obviously they've moved on from Mortal 2. They were two, they were the two leading lights in terms of the championship last year. So does it give Sam Lowe's a little bit of an opening? I'm not by any chance saying that he's pushing at an open door because there'll be there's still plenty of good riders in there and there are new riders coming in as well. Yeah, uh, his this, if he can carry some of the form from the end of last season and... Mm. and Again, he had a, a, a late season accident, which probably stopped him winning three in a row, mm-hmm. and and uh, and co- could have put him back into the championship hunt. So, if he carries that across through through the season, I think he's absolutely probably has to be the favourite. Yeah. I'd be really interested to see with another year and a bit more confidence and stability what Jake Dixon can do. Yeah, as well. Yeah. I, I agree with that and I, I I love watching all of those it's just finding the time to do it and we, and we appreciate that all right then to finish up our Moto GP 2021 preview on the Radio Show Limited network of channels uh, Nick Damon yes uh, who wins the championship in terms of the riders championship okay if Mark Marquez has not come back <laughs> the first four races Alex Rins right. if he comes back in the first four races Mark Marquez Simple as that. Yep. Even if he misses the first two, which we expect he will. Yep. Right. He'll just mentally destroy them all by just being there. <laughs> by just turn, just doesn't even have to ride. Just has to turn up there. Yep. Uh, and in, ter- in terms, because it, it doesn't necessarily flow that the team's championship uh, will go the way of the the, the winning bike. No, I'm, I'm, I'm actually more confident about that. that Suzuki win the team championship. I'm very confident about that. Because That's... they've got two such well-balanced riders who can get well, points. You, you say who's got the best li- rider lineup, and the others have all got four. And I still think Suzuki's got the best rider lineup, which is two. Right. Okie dokie. Dex, um, are we going to see the early season points spread around, which will give Mark Marquez, as, I suspect that's what Nick is suggesting, that, you know, if if Mark Marquez comes in after a couple or three races, that there won't be too big a gap at the front of the field, so he expects people, everybody else, to be much of a muchness, or is somebody going to be standout and, and ride away in that early part of the championship? Who wins the championship? I think 
uh, using the same parameters. If he's back and he comes back uh, with the right level of fitness, uh, he could lose two or three races and still win the championship. Non-score in two or three races. Yeah, uh, I, 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 he could miss the first two or three races and still win the championship. Yeah, then, of course, he, he then has no margin for error after that. Yes. Uh, and And what I would say is, uh, whether he's there or not, the people he'll be battling for the championship will be Rince, Morbidelli, and Aspargaro. You don't I see Joan Mayer repeating. I do not. Hmm. I do not because I think uh, I think he'll be close. But I I, I feel uh, if all things being equal, Rince will beat him, and uh, and I feel Morbidelli, Aspargaro, and Rince are, are the are the three guys outside of 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 Mark Marquez who can do damage in the championship. Interesting. Very interesting. I, I'm I'm going to say, uh, as a real outsider, maybe not to win the championship, but to be there or thereabouts, I am going to say the Portuguese rider, Oliveira, Miguel Oliveira, because he, I, I think that KTM bike, if it continues on the upward turn that it would, and they've thrown a lot of, of uh, resources at it, I think he could be there. I think Rossi will win more races again this year. Um, really? Yeah, I, I do. Well, I do. I, I I think Rossi, a relaxed Rossi, um, who really doesn't have anything to prove, in absolutely the opposite mindset to Marquez, and you could say in some ways maybe he he could have been too relaxed. Um, but do you know what? There's something also, and I I don't disagree about a, a spot, Alicia Spargaro at all, but there's something about the Vinales and Quattararo lineup at Monster Energy Yamaha Moto GP that I. I I can't remember which one of you that said now, if one of them does well, the other one will, will, will crumble. I'm not sure. I think if Quattararo does well, it might drive Vinales on and we might see a really interesting run from that, that team. Um, oh, no, it's, it's definitely the world flinging the dolls out of the Pram Championships. OK, all right. Could you, could you ever see those two coming home one, two in a Grand Prix? Uh, OK, that's a fair point. Well made and, and well presented. But I'm, I'm just going to leave it out there we'll keep following the MotoGP Championship for 2021 on Midweek Motorsport thanks for this uh, their time in this preview to Declan Brennan and Nick Dearman uh, join us across the season 8 o'clock Wednesday for our reports on MotoGP on Midweek Motorsport bye bye This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.